What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen with my favorite doctor, Dr. Boca, DB. Happy Wednesday. It's another episode of Unpolished Therapy. Let's just jump right in. Hey, Dr. Boca, how are you? Good, Rach. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I love our Wednesdays. Me too. We say it all the time, but I really do look forward to it. It's like a passion. It brings me happiness. I really do enjoy our time together and I hope our listeners enjoy it. I hope so too. And just to kind of like give you a little monkey wrench here, I just want to remind you, I am a day late, but we record on Wednesdays and we put out our good stuff on Wednesdays. So it's the 2nd of March. So yesterday on the 1st of March, I just want to do my obligatory... Rabbit, rabbit. Do it. Oh, man. I'm I'm like fucked. I mean, if you count up all the months I haven't done rabbit, rabbit, I'm like screwed with bad luck for like the next decade. Well, do you want to do like seven rabbit rabbits in a row right now? I'll give you the floor. Okay, just, I'm going just to. get it out there. Okay. Rabbit, 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 rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit. I think I might have done one for good luck. There you go. Let's just, we're going to take out our unpolished top hat of our magician, whatever. And now, good luck for all, right? I hope so. From your mouth to wherever it's supposed to go. I hope I have it. Oh my gosh. Put it out there. But I need our listeners or you or anybody to send me a sign, a message, smoke signal, something on the first. I need to know to say rabbit, rabbit, because this is getting out of control. Okay. Well, I'll remind you. We could just say like unpolished, unpolished. Okay. There you go. I love it. I have to just tell you before we jump in today, I was just sort of laughing to myself the other day, even though I was so frustrated, but I've decided that like the frustration is getting me nowhere. So I've kind of changed my tune on a lot of things. But I know we spend a lot of time, all of us, moms, dads, wives, husbands, parents, friends, whatever. We all spend a lot of time at the grocery store, right? We've kind of talked about this maybe before. I mean, I'm in the grocery store literally four to five days a week. And while I kind of do feel badly on the fifth time I'm there and they're like, hey, do you want to donate a dollar today? You know, whatever the charity of the month is there. Depending on the mood that I'm in, I mean, at the end of the day, thank God it's just a dollar. And Mm -hmm. if I can help someone else, it makes me feel a little bit better. It's a win for all of us. But like on the sixth time when they're like, hey, would you like to donate a dollar to the March of Dimes or whatever? I'm like, you know what? Not only was I here yesterday, but you were the same cashier (laughs) lady and you hooked me in Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Like, could you just lay off for one day? Right? I mean, I know this like dollar cost averaging or compounds interest or whatever. The amount of dollars I've now given, it's got to count for something. And maybe just can we limit it to twice a week and just cool it? I mean, look, I don't know about you. I always give because I feel guilty if I don't, because I would hope that if I were in that situation and needed it, that somebody would give for me. So that's probably my issue and I have to let go of the guilt. However, the part that gets me isn't even so much when somebody like the cashier, maybe on day five, it would bother me. I try not to go five days a week. We could start there. Maybe we can get you guys get down to four days a week and that would help. But my issue is when you go to CVS, Okay. And you do the checkout that's, first of all, louder than anything. So when you go to the self-checkout at our CVS, 
if I'm on the phone, people hang up on me because it is so loud that they're like disturbed by it. And I try to quiet it down. I'm like, shh, shh, shh. Not everybody has to hear everything that I'm buying and how much it costs, but it doesn't work that way. But anyway, it does this roundup thing. So you come out and you're at like $12. Yeah, who am I kidding? $54.06 for like like four items, right? Yes, for like two shampoos and like makeup remover. I know, shampoo these days is like $34.22 It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. But then on top of all of this, where they're robbing me of all my money, then it says, so I'm at $54.12. And they're like, would you like to round up to the nearest dollar to support blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, oh my God. Well, can I just say to support blah, blah, blah? I just want you to know the blah, blah, blah that you are supporting if you agree to round up. You know what that's for, right? No. It's to be able to pay for the paper for the receipt as long as the three miles (laughs) to the next CVS. You can roll it across the floor. It's like, honestly, it's like my grandmother's medication list that she used to have. Like you could just roll it across the floor. It is unbelievable. So what do you think they do with those roundup pennies? I don't know. It's a lot of pennies. It's a lot. Well, when you're at 12 cents and you're rounding up, that's like almost your dollar. And I'm at one of those stores and not necessarily the food store, but I'm then at a different grocery store like because you can't get everything in one store anymore. You know, like you go to Whole Foods and then you need something at Trader Joe's and then you can't get all of that. So you have to go to a Publix or whatever. And then you go to the CVS, right? But then your medication is over at Walgreens. So now you have to do the same thing over at Walgreens. And then, oh, your kid wants something and you're driving and you don't see any of those. So you have to go into another store and they round up too. So by the end of it, like I spent another $54. But you know what? First of all, maybe it's just me, but to the point about even in the supermarket being like, you know what? No, like I have a threshold, right? Can you click the button, especially if you're doing self-checkout and no one's looking and you don't have to like feel badly. How about like, you know what? No, thank you. I'm not rounding up today. I want the exact dollar amount. And where do I go for the change? Or do they just assume because it's self-checkout, it would be more annoying to have to go to another counter to get the 82 cents back or whatever it is? I'm using a credit card. Nobody would be the wiser. Nobody would be the wiser. I know, but I I feel like I had to do that with drugs. Like I can't do that with, (laughs) you know, rounding up medicine or rounding up my money for sundries, right? Like, look, it's my shtick. It's something I have to own. But it's annoying that I have to own it. And it's annoying that I even have to think about it because I just don't round up. It's not like I'm putting pennies in my pocket. As Cher said in Moonstruck, get over it. I know. Right? Just get over it. So you you were bitching. I I know, but you know what? The other thing I just want to tell you, and then I know we'll move on to the topic of the day. The other thing that's so unpolished about, I guess you fancy CVS a lot more than I do. I just live at the supermarket. So a lot of my gripes kind of come from aisle one to aisle seven. And then when you're leaving, what I also have found as of late, and maybe this is where all these extra pennies are going, is I know we're supposed to be saving the environment and we're supposed to be bringing our own green bag with us or whatever, which I only have 7,000 of them at home. Never do I remember to bring it with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take a picture for our listeners of how many bags I have that I forget. But that's not even the problem, okay? The new problem that I am finding, and it's not new, I guess I'm just verbalizing it now with you because you just bring it out of me on our Wednesdays, (laughs) is that I go through the checker thing, whatever, and all my stuff is on the whatever, and there's always someone there who's helping. Mm-hmm. And they're always so nice, which even though I'm so anal retentive, that even when I put the stuff out on the, the conveyor belt, 
the conveyor, thank you for the word. I take I take it out of the cart in sections. Like oh, I want to keep all the cold stuff together. I want to keep, you know, all the dry shit, the stuff yep. that goes in the pantry. And, and I always say, like in my next life, I mean, look, pride to the side. Any job is a great job. However, you have to pay the bills, even if you do have to dance around a pole, whatever you have to do, do it. I feel like I would be the best grocery bag bagger at the end of the conveyor to like help like and be the assistant to the lady who's scanning the stuff sure. because I'm just organized and I get so much shit in the bag and whatever. My point of this whole rant is that the nice young man, and I don't want to like dog on the young kid who's bagging it because potentially at this stage of the game, I kind of know who some of these people are. They're sure. like the nice boys and girls who work there because it's their after school job sure. and they're friends with my children and whatever. And, you know, I'm proud of them for even showing up. But like, I know I'm little. I know it doesn't look like I'm that strong. But why do you put one item in the plastic bag and then put it in my cart? Like, load it up, buddy. Okay? Yep. Like, I don't need 7,322 bags. The napkins, you can put the can of olives and the ricotta cheese in there also. Okay? If you're not going to let me do it where I do it all on my own and I want to air to you because it's your job and whatever, you can step it up a little bit. We can put seven items in the bag. And you know what? Double bag it if you think it's going to... Re- I mean, I want to take over more than you know. Okay? The eggs, so good that I understand. Not. The bread... I understand. But like, and how about when they say to you, do you want a bag for this? For instance, if it's like meat or yeah. uh, do I want a bag for it? No, I'm going to balance it on my head. Like, of course <laughs> I want a bag for it. But you know what? Knock yourself out. Put a few other things in that bag with that one item. Absolutely. There's always that one bag that has the one item. And there's always that bag that is so freaking heavy that I'm like, are you guys kidding me? There's so much in this. There's the laundry detergent, the orange juice, the six pack of soda, the Gatorade. And on top of that, they're putting and like, I don't know, all the zucchini. I mean, it's like literally 10 pounds. I could do like farmer carries with it. No kidding. And also, of course, with me, and this has happened, true story, the $10.99 of the Rayo's Oh, marinara sauce. The best. That then when you're trying to hold like me, like now I want to get the 7,000 bags in the house in one, one try. One trip. So me, because I'm such a fucking martyr, right? I load it all up. <laughs> it's on my arm. It's on my pinky. Now I need a splint for my middle finger because oh, it's completely my... pushed back. And then lo and behold, that one bag that's so fucking heavy <gasps> slips out. The Rayos is now oh all over the floor. Yes. And I'm like, mother... <laughs> Wait, right. you know what? The best part about the story, Rach, is there is nothing in here that our listeners are not shaking their head going, yes, that has happened to me every time. I empathize with all of it. And I'm so glad that you're putting it out there. And I needed this laugh so badly because I have been doing some talking to friends and soul searching and just work on kind of figuring out like, okay, you know, I'm a psychologist. I love doing the few things that I do with my patients. I love doing this podcast, but like really where is this joy and lightness of being and passion that I believe I might have had at one time in my life, but I don't have it right now. And so when I can laugh and just be and enjoy, it feels so good because I'm so in the throes of trying to find that. So I thank you. I thank you, thank you, thank you for getting me on Wednesdays to laugh like that. It feels so, so good. 
Well, you know what? I'm going to say you're welcome, but I will also throw it back to you. And not that we can sit here and throw sunshine up each other's ass. Oh, we don't do that. But thank you too, because the laughter totally is the most joyful thing ever. And I too really have felt, I mean, always, but I think life, you're right. It gets in the way of remembering how important it is to find joy. Mm -hmm. And the podcast is bringing me so much joy. And I think it also brings, you know, we've kind of talked about this off air, when other people reach out and tell us how much they appreciate and enjoy our time, how is that not just spreading even more joy? Mm-hmm. And um, it. so it's a win-win. And I feel like it has really helped so many people and most notably you and I. So yes, let's jump into like, what are the things that bring us joy? And remembering that even though life is hard and mm-hmm. we have responsibilities and we have people who rely on us and we do have tasks that aren't always fun. I mean, work itself is work. It's work. Yeah. And I want to tell you, I can't even take credit for this, but someone had said to me once, and it really is true. When we think of work, like, Mm -hmm. I guess immediately we're like, oh, work, what a drag, right? Mm -hmm. Work isn't necessarily hard. It's just work. It's just something that we have to do because it's a means to an end. Yes. If we're lucky enough to love the job we do, that is in fact work. It lessens how hard it is, but that's not always the norm. So there are things that we have to remember to prioritize that bring us joy to hedge Mm -hmm. the work we have to do because it is a means to an end and someone's got to pay the electric bill, i.e. our podcast, i.e. being out and finding passion projects. And I want to share with you in the last several weeks, I'm meeting different people and I'm jumping into new projects and ideas and just sort of expanding my horizons and stepping outside of my comfort zone. And I have found, Dr. Boca, when people say like, well, what is it that you do? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, what do you do for work? I really do gloss over my quote unquote real job. Day job, yes. My day job. Mm -hmm. Because, ugh, that isn't what brings me as much joy as I would like. And I have found myself kind of shouting from the rooftops more and more. I do this, but like whatever to that, I have a blog and I host a podcast and this is what I do and this is what I love and I love connecting with people and bonding. And the therapist that I work with on air has become such a good friend and yada, yada, yada. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the direction of like, even as we talk about it, the joy we get, I think, just internally that then radiates externally. And that's kind of what we're putting out into the universe. Yeah, I think you say it so amazingly. I enjoy this part so much more. And it's not that I don't love what I do for a living, but what happens is because in a way, this podcast is not so different than what I do for a living, right? But what happens, I think, or at least for me, is when I have to do something, right? For that means to an end. And I have that responsibility that I have to get it done. And because there is a correlation between doing it and getting money for it, right? So that you can pay your bills or do whatever it is that you contribute to the household expenses. That then changes, whether it's the thing that you're passionate about or not, it adds this level of obligation to it. And it's that sense of obligation for me that kills the, the joy and joy. Yes. 
And so even though this isn't so different, there's something so great about this because I'm choosing to do this and I'm choosing to do it when I want to do it so that it's meaningful and it's exciting and it's really coming from the inside. When I work, I do feel that a lot of times with my patients, the connection that I build with them, that's amazing. But because I know I have to go to work that day and see somebody at 9 and 10 and 11 o'clock, there's a negative slant to it. Not that I take it into the therapy room because I don't do that, but there's just this almost like a teenager, like the kicking and screaming part of going to school. If you ask a lot of these kids, what do you do? Do you hate school? Do you like school? They're like, well, I love lunchtime and I love between classes when I get to be social and I like the after school activities and I like my elective classes. I don't like the actual learning part because that's what they have to do, right? It's a means to an end to get where they want to go. That's kind of how I feel. And I feel like at this point in our lives, a lot of times we don't have a lot of passion projects. We don't have a lot of things that are not required of us, right? And like, think about it. I put this out to our listeners. When you get a chance to go on vacation with your kids, it's amazing, right? I mean, maybe not Disney sometimes because it's really not the happiest place on earth, but (laughs) I do love Disney. Disney, I love you. I'm just having fun with that. But and Disney, just so you know, I do not love you. <laughs> Disney, I can't stand you. But well, we, anyway, Dr. Boca, go ahead. We do Disney a lot. But when we go someplace and we get away and we're with our kids, the time that I get to spend with my kids is amazing, right? It's amazing. But once you get back into your real world and you're dealing with all the obligations of raising those children and getting them to their after-school activities and getting them to school and doing all of those things, it kills us. It like kills that excitement and joy and real appreciation for those moments. So I have to just tell you, the thing that stood out most in what everything that you just said, and this is how I kind of want to throw it back out to the listeners out there, is you use the word choice. When we get to choose what it is we want to do, and then that translates into something we enjoy doing, we love doing, it becomes a passion project or topic or activity for us. That's where I think even mentally, everything shifts. And maybe, and I'm just wondering, you know, I'm certainly not the doctor here, but I wonder from that perspective, if we look at finding joy in the Mm -hmm. things we choose to do, not only do we get to have more joy, but then, and I want to try to articulate this the right way in the hopes that you will nod and say, yeah, Rachel, you're, you're onto something here. That for people like me that kind of suffer from like this now what-itis, like mm-hmm. I love it, I love it, I love it. And now, oh my God, I can't stand it. Exactly. That if we go into it, and by we, I, <laughs> I guess I mean me. No, all of us, I think. There's I, a, a big quantity of people who do okay, that. Okay. So we choose something that we love today. It brings us joy. We marvel in it. We feel it from the inside out. We put it out into the universe. And then maybe we help spread it to others. And our energy is just exponentially greater and better Mm -hmm. and happier and more joyful. If we're choosing, then I think we also kind of get to decide that, you know what? Whatever this topic is, this hobby, this activity, this whatever, we're kind of done with it now. But now we get to choose something else. And so we can always find joy wherever we want because we're accepting that if something doesn't bring us joy anymore, Mm -hmm. okay, great. Let's move it to the side and 
bring in, you know, joy number three or four or 12 or 52 or et cetera. Absolutely. Right. I know. I think that's a great way to look at it. There's two ways to look at it. That is one of them. And I always say it works until it doesn't. Right. I always use that, that phrase. Mm-hmm. And it's true. You always have a choice, but along those same lines, you always have a choice. So we picked this. We chose this. Why can't we remember that it is still a choice every single day when we pick a topic or pick a passion or pick something that we can choose to find joy in that still? even though it feels like the joy has burned out over time. And if we can't choose to find joy in that anymore, then we can move on to something else, right? Let's take a marriage, for example. And I hate to bring that in, but it's just such a, a relevant topic. Yeah, that we no, can, of course, right? Yeah. Like, passion and joy tend to die sometimes in relationships. But if we go back to, hey, you're not shackled into this, right? It's a choice every day to be in this relationship. It takes out some of that obligation piece, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that martyr piece, that piece of God, like, this is the end of my life. This is what I'm going to be living in forever. No, I'm choosing this today because I see potential in it, or I see the good in it, or I feel the love in it, or I'm choosing today to focus in on the one thing that brought me into this marriage with this individual, and I'm going to focus on that and choose to be happy. Now, all of this is easier said than done, but I do believe if we're coming from the premise that we can choose and it's the choice of it that brings us joy, that we can always make that choice. We can always continue to choose. That's just kind of the flip side of seeing it. And then if you can't get to that place where you see the choice anymore, and it feels like no matter what choice you make, there is just not passion, there's just not joy, find something else, make a different choice. There's always choice. And if you go back to Man's Search of Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which is like an existential book on life and psychology and human growth and the human soul, this individual in a concentration camp, Everybody can be hopeless and helpless and literally die, okay? Literally die from loss of all meaning and of life, loss of hope. You literally can survive knowing you have a choice to feel differently about it or to look at it differently. You can choose to be a survivor. You can choose to find something positive in the sky. The other day I was walking my dog and I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to do this week. I don't know how I'm getting it all done. My son's birthday, my this and this, my husband's travel. I had a million things going on. I'm walking the dog. The dog has diarrhea. He woke me up three times in the middle of the night and I'm walking the dog and I look up in the sky and there was a rainbow. And I was like, first of all, kudos to you, Lori, that you saw it. Because I tend to miss that kind of shit because I'm like I'm mulling over all the angst that's going Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. But B, I took the second to choose to appreciate it, right? And it totally just flips the switch. So I guess I'm like kind of going on on a ramble here, but I think we always have a choice and we forget that. And so as I'm doing the search for joy, I have a choice to do whatever I want to do. But I want it to be my choice, not somebody else telling me. Absolutely. And to your point, first of all, I think that's a beautiful story. And I couldn't agree more relative to taking a minute, taking pause, looking up. I'm a huge lover of the moon and I'm 
always stopping. As crazy as I am and I'm polished and my mind's going in 12 different directions, I'm always looking up to the stars. I'm always looking up to the moon. I have like this whole thing about like the light in the distance and no matter Mm. how dark you are, when you see like a flicker, that is something that burns a hole in my soul. That's the hope piece. And having hope is also something that brings me joy. And I feel like the people that I connect with and that I bond over with they get that type of philosophy. And the more people I meet, I think that the more you're able to kind of discern the connection or the lack of, and even that being able to kind of push the shit to the side of the plate brings me joy because Mm -hmm. it's bringing me one step closer to the things and the people who are meaningful that I want to dive in more with and give my attention to. And that's incredibly joyful to me. Yeah, I love that. I do think that's such an important piece of it is really getting in touch with yourself and finding out what makes you happy? What brings that for you? I mean, I can tell you the story. I was tasked to find things in my life that bring me joy. And I thought they were going to be, and, and this is not that they don't, but I thought it would be like moments with my kids and opportunities to celebrate their successes or whatever. So <laughs> the, the first one that I found that was very enjoyable because of the speed at which my life goes is I was able to find an hour to go outside at a coffee shop and read. And I read something psychologically minded, like I didn't read like a fun novel or anything, but I was so happy. I was like, just the heat on my shoulders of the sun. It was a beautiful day. There was no humidity. The people watching was fabulous. The book was interesting. It was just that I took a breath, right? That brought me joy. But the second one is going to knock you off your seat, Rach, because I don't think you know this about me. So we were in Animal Kingdom hence Disney. We're always there. And we're walking around and it was like a mob scene in there. So we didn't do a lot of rides, but we went and took the walk where the gorillas are. And my kids are like moving through it because my kids have been to Animal Kingdom like 784 times. And I stopped to stare at the gorillas. And they were like being like more active than they usually are because usually they're just like lumps sitting there and you see their asses and they look like little Buddhas. Anyway, they wanted to go. And I was like, no. I was finding so much joy in watching the behaviors of the gorillas. Like I was fascinated by that. And I don't know if you know this, but prior to becoming a clinical psychologist, I had wanted to be a primatologist. And so anyone who doesn't know what primatologists are, is there, it's the study of primates. So that would be like chimps and orangutans and, and gorillas and some monkeys. So I had wanted to do this and I called my father and I was like in, in college and I was like, dad, I figured out what I would do with my life. And he's like, what? And I go, I want to be a primatologist like Jane Goodall. And he said, Lori, come on. Like, seriously? The number you have reached <laughs> right. has disconnected. disconnected. Um, exactly. That's how it felt. It felt like so like dismissive because like, he's like, uh, Dad, Dad, are you there? Hello? <laughs> it was long distance and it was right. back in the 90s, right? So he's like, you're not going to live in the fucking jungle studying smelly monkeys. And I was like, okay. And he killed my joy. I really could have done this. I wasn't going to live in the jungle. Let's be honest. Dr. Boca knows herself enough to know I wasn't living in the fucking jungle, but I could have been a researcher in a lab. And what is khaki not your color? <laughs> you know, khaki, I actually happen to like khaki. It's the smell of the yeah. fucking gorillas. The like, yeah. oh, right? I'm not into it. 
But to watch monkeys or to watch my obsession as chimps, but to watch them interact with their babies and to watch their facial expressions and use their finger, it is fascinating to me. Fascinating. That brings me joy. Okay. I have to share this story with you. And I don't think I've ever shared it really out loud, but I think it's going to bring you joy. And you can now fall off your chair when I tell you this. So no, I don't want to be a primatologist. I never wanted to be a primatologist. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Okay. You are. And I also, I think I have said publicly, even though I sort of say it in a mumble, because it's really not a great characteristic of me that I'm not a huge animal lover. That's but okay. that being said, several years ago, I was at, and not Animal Kingdom, because I am not a fan of Disney World. You've and I made that I never known. Go back. But I was at <laughs> the Palm Beach Zoo with a really good friend of mine. This goes back several years. Okay. And I and my friend, we were mesmerized with what you say, Rachel. Well, with the orangutans and the monkeys. And to this day, I can feel it like in my bones. Yes. We were observing the gorilla at the time. You know, I hope the gorilla is still okay. But I even remember his name. The gorilla's name was Guillermo. Okay. And Guillermo and I guess Guillermo's wife, if you will, the love that they had for one another was something that was, it was so visceral to me. I could Mm. feel it. And I too, you know, some people call me like this cold-hearted bitch or whatever, but in that moment, I was so drawn. And what was happening was Guillermo, the orangutan, gorilla, whatever, was literally using his fingers to pick like yes. the gnats yes, okay, off of his partner. Yeah. And there was such detail and there was such adoration that not only he had for his partner, but that this female orangutan had the love back that they were allowing one another to do their job. And I literally couldn't take my eyes off of it. And I was almost... Now, granted, I was with a very close friend and we were having like this moment and it Mm -hmm. was so beautiful. But to this day, I say, I wonder how Guillermo is. And that brought me such joy. And it's bringing me joy to just share the story. That's amazing. Wait, so I have to share one thing. I love that. And I feel so much more normal, right? That I'm not the only one who can see it in these animals. But it's probably not an orangutan because they're solid. They're like, they're solitary animals. (laughs) But I'm just putting that out there. Probably wasn't. It could have been, but probably wasn't. But I love that. And I do. I think there's such a nice representation of the human emotion and the human behavior that we all share. And it's a beautiful thing. And I'm not trying to convert anybody into being a primatologist or to sit in front of the monkeys and obsess about them. But it brings me such joy that I'm hoping that somebody out there that's listening can find something. I hope everybody out there who's listening can find something that brings them that kind of joy. It's because it's just so... I mean, Rachel, I could see it in your face as you're talking about Guillermo. It really was this visceral, palpable... It was. And so unconditionally driven that I know that these apes are highly intelligent and all that. And I'm sure they know on some level that there's human beings watching and observing. But it it wasn't like they were putting on a show for anyone. And that is what I appreciated. And for me, you know, being like this lover and dreamer and that hope of how that translates to my life or people that I care about, their lives or whatever, my takeaway too in finding that joy was the like, wow, if we are the next best thing to like apes, chimpanzees, orangutans, whatever, 
could two human beings have that kind of unconditional love and support and care for one another? And like when I'm old and hairy and gross and fat, like <laughs> will someone pick the gnats off of my body for me with such love in their eyes? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, let's hope, right? I know, one can hope. Right? Let, let's bring me joy just thinking that it's a possibility. So um, I guess, I mean, we could totally take this in another direction and I'm just going to say it, but, and then we can move and go back to the joy category. But I often sit there and say, what really separates us from these animals through evolution is that we have a little bit more of a brain capacity. I'm sure there's more stuff. And I did not study primatology past my one class that I absolutely Well, what we do have of. more of is we probably have people who, we, we have a lot more people in like the beauty and healthcare industry who like waxes <laughs> Yes, exactly. Right. Well, totally that, right? And the Botox and all that because they really are wrinkly. But I was going to say it speaks to how our mind being more, quote unquote, evolved mm -hmm. with it comes so much baggage of anxiety, self-doubt, self-loathing, criticism, perception onto others that they just don't have, right? And so it is a beautiful thing to watch because that shit doesn't get in their way right? Like I tell my patients all the time, like you're standing in your own way, right? They don't stand in their own way. They just mm -hmm. lead from this really authentic place. But anyway, going back to joy, I love that you, that brought you joy. It brought me joy listening to the story. What are some other things that you've come across that have brought you joy? Well, I think honestly, and not that I want to dumb it down, but even for the listeners out there, because I want to make it universal that like mm -hmm. what brings them joy and yeah. how anything can bring you joy. Maybe it was something that brings you joy is that your house is immaculately cleaned and you made a project in your closet and you cleaned up and now everything's organized and steady. Maybe it's that you finally booked that trip that you've been wanting to go on and now you have that mental countdown in your calendar or whatever that you know you're going to get to experience something new. Maybe it's something as simple as pickleball. Listen, that's oh a new God. thing that's brought me joy. I started playing pickleball. People love I'm it. I'm having a blast. It, I get so much joy out of not only knowing I'm going to play, but then showing up, enjoying it, laughing, meeting new people. I mean... I can't I want stand to try the word it. pickleball. I have a feeling that like the name pickleball is what was getting in the way because it's like such a stupid name. But now it brings me joy. When I hear the word pickleball, I kind of chuckle a little bit because it's so stupid that it makes me laugh. I want to come one time because I'm okay. dying to try this. All right. Dying. All right. Everybody's I'm talking very competitive though. I just want to put that out there. Okay. You can have whatever you want to do. Fine. I'll just follow. Okay. We're good. Fine. So pickleball, even I think a couple episodes ago, I told you that I started my own little project for 2022 about reaching out and chatting mm -hmm. with a, a longtime friend who I don't speak with all the time. And full disclosure, again, this is unpolished, so we have to kind of be authentic here. Am I keeping up with it every single day? No, I'm not. And I'll tell you why. Back to your point of choice. Because feeling as though it was a task that I had to yep. do every day felt like it was something that I was piling on and it became an obligation and it was taking away from my yes. joy. And I recognized it. And I was like, you know what? I don't want this to create angst and anxiety on my daily list that you all know mm -hmm. that I love to have a pencil and paper and cross things off. My daily project of reaching out and saying hello to someone, it made me feel that I was putting too much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. Now when I do it, okay, so if it's every three days, if it's once a week, as long as I'm mindful of, you know what? I need to get back to that. And then again, it becomes my choice. I'm empowered. Yes. I feel yeah. good about it. I'm in control. That brings me joy. 
I love it. Yeah. And I think that's really the takeaway here. And I think we all have to remind ourselves of that is that it's very easy to get bogged down with all the day-to-day tasks and all the obligations that are put on us. And there are so many responsibilities and things that we think are so, should be so exciting like the kids, but that become obligations. And I hate to say that I love my children more than life, but they become obligations sometimes that, you know, pick up, drop off, that, 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 that. So I think we have to just remember that we have to carve out that time to start our passion projects, get back to what was joyful for us. I mean, if you would have asked me a year ago if I would be doing a podcast, I'd be like, I don't even know what a podcast is. And I am so proud of us for having, you know, not only come up with the idea and created it, but also learned all about it and stayed consistent with it. And the reason that I love that we can stay consistent is because we're choosing to do it because it's fun. It's not that we have to do it. And I think that our listeners appreciate that if we don't show up one week, it's like we couldn't do it because it didn't work for us, but we will show up when it does because we love it. So I implore all of our listeners to find things, reconnect with that because it is so so important because even talking about it at this point, I'm in a better frame of mind. Like I'm just so much more hopeful going back to that, right? There's so much more hopefulness in what else is out there and what else I can do and what else we can do and what we can create. So I'm like so happy. I'm joyful that we had this conversation today because it really resonates with me. Yeah. And I think we do choose to choose joy. And I think that's the takeaway. I just want to tell you something so funny to kind of tie in just that truly like my unpolishedness does kind of radiate from the inside out. But when you were talking about our kids, that like, of course, our kids should bring us joy. True story again, hand to God. My grandmother, who I think about all the time, she, you want to talk unpolished. I mean, she wrote the book on unpolishedness before it was even a word. And she was a real <laughs> firecracker. And I think about her all the time. And, and if she was alive, I would definitely have her jump on oh, the show with us. Nice. But um, we have a joke in our family that actually is joyful, but it's actually about making fun of joy. And my grandmother used to say something like, kids. Why have kids? <laughs> they bring you no joy. <laughs> right? So she, I mean, talk about unpolished and she always wow, grandma. give it right between your eyes that, you know, kids, of course, we are obligated to say how much joy our kids bring us, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's so afraid to say the real nitty gritty truth that like kids can be the biggest pains in the ass, ass, right? Of like, course. oh, have kids, they say, right? I mean, why do they say that? They're the biggest pains in the ass. Yes. But I guess when they're not a pain in the ass, they do bring us joy. And um, I'm just, you know, thinking about my grandma right now with that one. I love that. I love that we could bring you joy in being unpolished. And I will say, there are those moments where I can't think of any other place to be than with my kids. But if those would have happened more, right, more frequently, I wouldn't be searching for joy anywhere else. It would be right there. So let's be honest, it doesn't happen all the time. It all comes full circle. And that's amazing. So to the listeners out there, find what brings you joy. And the greatest thing about that is that there's no wrong answer. I love that. The littlest thing or the biggest thing can bring you joy. Smile. Take a moment to put yourself first and figure it out. What brings you joy on a Monday may be different than on a Tuesday or a Thursday. On Wednesdays, we certainly hope Unpolished Therapy brings you a little joy. And we hope that you'll join us every week and we'll share the joy together. But reach out to us and let us know. We always love to hear from you and share what brings joy in your world that maybe you'll pay it forward back to us. I know we're ending, but to our listeners, I just want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who also inspired me to 
remain hopeful that there's joy. I have a friend who just did one of the bravest things. I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, it's not like she like gave up a kidney for somebody, but she's a teacher and she was like, I want to do something more. I think I'm funny. And she took an improv class and she performed last night and shout out to my friend Susie. She was amazing. And that is just something that we can all hold on to that in your late 40s, if you decide that you want to change careers because it's not bringing you joy or you want to find something avocational to bring you more joy, it can be done and it should be done because it feels so good. So I just wanted to give that shout out. Thank you for humoring me. I appreciate it, Rach. Absolutely. Shout out to Susie. I love that. I think it's amazing. I've done it myself and it really is such a joyful, amazing feeling to step outside your comfort zone and find a new level of joy. And that's terrific. So again, to the listeners, let us know what brings you joy. Email us at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at unpolishedtherapy. Give us a little bit of joy on Twitter. Oh, Find please, us at anywhere. Untherapy. Okay. I mean, that would bring me the biggest joy of the day if someone <laughs> tweeted us what brings you joy. And I think too, just the final thought on this is that there's enough joy for all of us. And that's what we have to remember. So let's share joy. Let's spread joy. Let's be more joyful. And let's just continue to be unpolished. All right, Dr. Boca, thank you for joining me today on this Wednesday morning. And we'll see you all next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everyone. This has been Rachel Silver-Cohen and Dr. Boca for Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.